Hi, this is Pastor Bobby Andy, and today is number three in the series I'm teaching on what do you do when your nation's falling apart? Well, what do you do? When you look around, you see all the problems around you, you keep your attention on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Great Commission, because that's the most important thing he's given to us. Any change in government is temporary, but souls are eternal. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. We've been answering some questions about end times. In fact, what I'm calling this is, what do you do when your nation's falling apart? And uh, we answered some questions up until now. I've taken up a number of questions. I'll just quickly recap them. But it looks like we are headed worldwide into the tribulation. I can't tell you when it's going to come because even Jesus, they didn't know. But here's what's going to happen. Once the rapture comes, we'll, the people on this earth will know exactly how long it's going to be till the coming of Jesus. In fact, it's laid out in the book of Revelation, the exact number of the years of the two half-timed periods of the tribulation, seven years total. So again, once the church is gone, then those in the tribulation will know, but I plan on going up because I'm a Christian. If you're a Christian, you will go up in the rapture. And while the earth is going through a time of uh, troubles and testings and those things down here on the earth, through the tribulation, the church will be in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards for heaven. Now, the judgment seat of Christ isn't for going to heaven. That's for rewards once you get there. And so God will be laying out our rewards for us. Then we'll come back at the end of those seven years with Jesus at the battle of Armageddon, but he will fight the battle. We will simply observe what he's going to do. So with everything falling apart around us, our nation, the whole world, in fact, the United States isn't as bad as some countries right now around the world. They're going through worse than we are. And we see rising prices and we see difficulty getting things. We're seeing instability in government. Uh, we're seeing sin take over our land and our country and our nations of the world. Uh, so all these things that are happening, but these are supposed to be things that when they happen, Jesus said, these are signs that I'm coming soon, so look up, your redemption is near. And so the question, the first one answered was, will, will God really take care of me? Uh, he's been good to me so far. Will he continue to be good to me? And the answer is yes. In fact, during times like this is for you to really stop and evaluate, is your full trust in God or is your full trust in your bank account, in your retirement account, your finances, your home, uh, paid mortgages, non-paid mortgages, your family, where's your trust? It's got to come back to you. if all this stuff falls apart, God will not fall apart. He will take care of you. The second question I answered was this, was when your government turns against you and against God, what are you supposed to do? Well, what's God's attitude on it? We looked at Psalm 2 verses 1 through 6 and found out that when God looks at all these things, he merely laughs because he knows what the future is. Your government is not your future. Your president is not your future. The Supreme Court is not your future. The kingdom of God is. There is no supreme court in heaven, unless you just simply say it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's never made a wrong decision. Every decision he's been making is out of love for us, not of love for himself. The exact opposite of what we see going on in nations today around the world. So actually Psalm 2 verses 1 through 6 is quoted in Acts chapter 4. When the leaders of the church were brought in uh, to the Sanhedrin and threatened and told that they would they would uh, they would be killed, they would be uh, uh, put into prison or whatever that they said to them. But the point of it was, they said, unless you quit preaching in the name of Jesus, and so they simply said, no, sir. There comes a time we have to disobey you. Whenever the government contradicts 
totally the word of God. I mean, blatantly contradicts the word of God. You go with the word of God. Otherwise, you are to submit yourself to the government of the land. So again, this verse is quoted in Acts 4, where the two disciples, uh, Peter and John, were brought before the Sanhedrin and threatened and they were told never to preach again the name of Jesus. And I love their attitude. They simply said, sirs, whether to obey you or to obey God, we have no choice. We're going to obey God. And so they went out and preached in the name of Jesus and signs and wonders followed them. Question number three was, when do we say no to the authorities? Acts chapter four, verse 18 through 20, we saw it there. Whenever the, the government and the authorities contradict totally the word of God, and they simply put the word of God off to the side. We're seeing that happen today with morals. We're seeing that happen today with raising of children, with all the things we see going around, the things that they're now making us uh, accept that the word of God totally rejects. In other words, we do not reject homosexuals. We reject homosexuality and we love the person who is caught up in the sin. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. And so, but when, when they begin to tell us, no, we have to accept all of these in the attitude of love, love looks at things from God's viewpoint and love wants to see when a person's in trouble, how to get them back on the right track. That's what we're here for. That's the purpose of the church. Question number four was, what about if we go through famine? Psalm 37, 25 says, I've never seen his children begging bread. So we talked about that there's seed. God will always provide. He brought manna for the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, and he hasn't lost the recipe for that. Remember how the ravens brought food to Elijah, and they will do that also for us if God needs them to. God will always see to it that people during the times coming right now will be taken care of, even if famine comes before the rapture does. Jesus said, you'll see these things come to pass, but look up for your redemption is near, and famine was one of them. Pestilence, earthquakes, all these things. Question number five is, what do we teach our children about perversion and witchcraft? And I told you the book of Proverbs and Deuteronomy has much to say on instructing children by the parents on how to raise godly children. So raise your children daily in the word of God to withstand evil. And so even though uh, schools around you are teaching things that you don't like what, you're not going to be able to change the world. You can slow things down, but you're not going to change the world. They're going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. But you can raise godly children in an ungodly world. You have enough time with them at home to keep bringing them back to the word of God. And one teacher they may have may only be there, you know, for nine months, and then they'll switch to another teacher, or they may only have him for a semester or her for a semester, go to another teacher but they have you every single day. Sit down with them, talk to your children about what's being taught and then bring them back to the word of God. And remember, parents have the greater authority as far as their life is concerned and God's word has the, the, also the same authority in them and that authority will change their hearts and keep them on the right direction. All you need to do is be open with them and tell them what the word of God has to say. Examples of that in the word of God were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They escaped idolatry, Satanism and witchcraft how they refused to bow, falling back on the word of God. Question six was, what about a coming world government? Well, it's being known now as the liberal world order. The Tower of Babel failed. Communism fails every time. Socialism fails every time. Dictatorships fail every single time and always will until Jesus Christ comes back. So again, God is the rightful owner of the earth and Satan only has a temporary lease that he stole from Adam. God will not renew Satan's lease in the upcoming days. Jesus Christ will give rulership over the earth. The book of Revelation tells us the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he, Christ, will reign forever and forever. That's what's coming up and could be 
even seven years from today. Question number seven was one world money system. What do we do about that in the mark of the beast? Well, we will not be here when the mark of the beast comes, but we may see the one world money system coming in front of our eyes. But understand this, the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness of it. The wealth does not belong to governments. It belongs to God. And the meek person, the teachable person will inherit the earth. That's everything in the earth possesses. And so until Jesus comes, God will still keep continuing to meet your needs until the rapture comes. And this is our God today. We now come to question number eight, and this is where we'll uh, come today and continue on. What will happen to our own country? Well, I can tell you this, we may see a short return of sanity. We may see more morality, yet we may not. I don't know one way or another. It seems like I see we're making advances, but when I see the majority of our country anymore, it's like, what happened to thinking? What happened to to even morality? And people are headed the wrong direction thinking immorality is morality, darkness is light. They see these things and yet they can't filter through it or make the right decision. And so I can't tell you what the future holds for our country. Again, like I said, we may see a short return of sanity, some more morality, but yet on the other hand, we may not. But any return to morality, any return to more of a godly lifestyle is going to only be temporary. God tells us this, God's nation Israel and Jerusalem will be captured but never destroyed or its people dispersed again. This is what we can look for. We can look to the one nation that will always be here, and that is Israel. And they may be captured in the upcoming days during the time of the tribulation, but God is the one that's gonna rescue them. And the God that rescues them is the God that will rescue us today, no matter how bad it gets before the coming of Jesus Christ for his church. Jesus will rule temporarily from Jerusalem for a thousand years. After that, he's gonna reign eternally. But in both time periods, the church age and what's coming, in the time of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, heaven will always be available. For any believer who cries out to God, he is there to hear them. And the same is true right now. I don't know what's gonna happen to our country, but I can tell you this, there's a greater kingdom than the United States of America. It is the kingdom of God. It's eternal, it's always been here. And there's only one eternal nation on this earth, and that is Israel. In fact, if you wanna know what's going on in prophecy, God told Daniel that the time periods he was gonna lay out was for his people and his holy city. His people is Israel and his uh, holy city is the uh, city of Jerusalem. So if you want to know what's going on in prophecy, look to Jerusalem and look to Israel. Both will exist forever. Question number nine, but what if we do not get a good president in office in this upcoming election? Come back to it again. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and may not presently rule on this earth, but eternally he will rule and it's gonna come. The beginning of it will be soon. The world's gonna switch over to a single leader during the time of the tribulation to come. The tribulation is a seven year time period. The church will not be here. Jesus Christ is gonna come back. In fact, in the book of Timothy, he says, talking about uh, the appearing and the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. In one verse, both are mentioned. That is that the time that we're seeing right now, there's gonna come a time of the appearing and the kingdom, the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are looking for the appearing of Jesus Christ. He'll take us to heaven. We'll go through the judgment seat of Christ. But on this earth, they're gonna go through seven years of tribulation. And that time period, God has not poured out his wrath yet. 
But during the time of the tribulation, the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan will be seen on this earth and there'll be tremendous devastation against a God-rejecting world. And during that time period, the good news is many millions will be swept into the kingdom when they realize Jesus Christ truly is Lord. So the world soon will switch over to a one world leader called Antichrist as a false Christ, Antichrist will rule for only a short period of time, but Jesus will destroy him and take over his throne forever. And I'm here to tell you whether we get a good president next or we don't get a good president, they cannot match up to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the meantime, do not look for a certain man or even any good man to redeem us. Only Jesus can do that. Jeremiah 17, five says this, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. I'm simply here to tell you, if we get a good man in office or don't get good a man in office, Jesus Christ will eventually rule this entire planet. And by that time, we'll look and say, man, we can name the best presidents we've ever had and say he can't even hold a candle to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will be the ruler of the entire earth. When we come back after the break, I'm gonna present this question, but what if pastors are arrested in our country like they're being arrested in other countries? What if churches are closed? It's a very good possibility, but the good news is heaven is always open and Jesus Christ is always available. I'll see you right after the break. One of the most fascinating topics in the Bible is end times. A study of the end times is especially appropriate for the time in which we live. For believers, this study will not result in fear and worry, but rather peace, comfort, and joy as we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for His Church. As a companion to Bobby Indian's book, Understanding the End Times, this curriculum works well for a Bible group or as an individual study. Topics of study include the seven dispensations, the rapture of the church, Daniel's 70 weeks, the judgment seat of Christ, the temple discourse, the tribulation, the second coming, the antichrist, and the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. The package includes 10 30-minute video lessons on DVD or USB flash drive and comes with study questions and a copy of the book, Understanding the End Times. To order the End Times video curriculum, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. For those of you watching today who are partners with me, thank you. Good to have you with us today. And listen, if you're watching for the first time today, welcome. Glad you're here. Join us on a good subject because things are closing in all around us for the coming of Jesus Christ. And you know what? What should our attitude be? Look up. Our redemption is very near. In the meantime, thank you for watching the broadcast. Thank you for listening to it. Thank you for the notes you have sent in, the letters you've sent in. I greatly appreciate the fact that you love the program and that you're learning from it every day. This 10th question is this, but what if pastors are arrested and churches closed in our country like they're being done around the world? Well, I mean, you can go to China, you can go to other nations to find out there is no churches there unless they're state-sponsored and they're not allowed to preach the gospel. The ones that are preaching the gospel are underground, meeting in homes or meeting in uh, um, you know, buildings that are vacated or, or they're finding places they can go where they can't be detected at the moment and they constantly keep people looking for government leaders that may be coming or government uh, uh, military coming to get them and arrest them. So what would happen to us if that happened here in the United States? What if pastors are arrested? It's been as close as Canada. We've seen our pastors arrested there, put in prison. And the amazing thing, we don't hear anything about them after that. That's the thing. They just keep the doors closed and information does not come out about them. Well, here's what it comes down to. What if pastors are arrested and churches are closed? Your first thought is, well, who's going to preach the gospel? Folks, the Great Commission was not given to church buildings and those who pastor the church. It was given to all believers. Now, yes, it's fine to preach the gospel in the church, but the main reason why we have churches is not to preach the gospel, but to teach Christians the word of God, make disciples. Remember that the uh, Great Commission is twofold. Number one, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes believes will be saved and he that does not believe will be damned. But number two found in, in chapter 28 of Matthew is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So the first part is, is the, of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, was told to individuals. This is missionaries. This is evangelists going into all the world to preach the gospel. Once you're there and they get saved, like in chapter 19 of Acts, when a great revival hit Ephesus, they started constructing churches and churches met in homes. And eventually they had a building for themselves in the city of Ephesus. But if they tear the building down, they haven't destroyed the church nor have they destroyed the Great Commission that we now individually can go and witness to people and we individually can help disciple people and on top of that, we can still have churches. I mean, they met in homes throughout the New Testament and churches can meet in homes again. We find throughout the word of God, again, that these churches that met in homes, great things happened there. In Ephesus, uh, Paul said in Acts 20 and verse 20, I taught you publicly. That was in the school of Tyrannus. That was when they came to public meetings. But he also went on to say, and from house to house, you might as well put it in there, I taught you in public meetings and from church to church because the churches met in homes. And Paul said, I did this. I taught you publicly and I also taught you in the churches. So the people received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And before the churches were built, even publicly, he taught the word of God. But then as house upon house began to open up and people said, you can have a church meet here, a church meet here. It meant that now the public message could be to win souls and those in came to homes and houses could be discipled in the word of God. In Romans chapter 16 and verse five, there was a church that met in the home of Aquila and Priscilla. In Philemon chapter two, 
We find that in Colossae, in Philemon's home is where the church met there. And this happened throughout the New Testament as these were called home churches. We have many churches today who are rather small as far as the auditorium is concerned. And during the week, they meet in homes and have Bible studies. They have times to get together and fellowship with each other. This is very, very New Testament. The building itself doesn't matter. You know, if I were to tell you today, and pastors, this is a good word for you. What if I told you today, we're going to go to lunch and I'm going to take you to a hole in the wall. You, you, you would immediately get it. You know what I'm talking about. A hole in the wall means it's not much of a building. It's probably not the finest building around, but the food is outside. They put almost all their money into the food and not to the building. And you'll go to that dilapidated building and there'll be a line going around the building trying to get in there to get that great barbecue or whatever it is. You understand that. Well, I'm here to tell you when you first start your church, it may be a hole in the wall. It may be a dilapidated building. It may be somebody's home and not the finest of conditions. And it may be that you have to go into the living room and people are sitting you know, close to each other and cramped together and some on the floor. And you know what the point of it is? It really doesn't matter what the church looks like. The home is there, but the home becomes a church because believers are in there and you might have them standing outside the door to get into that hole in the wall, but who cares? The food is great. Put your emphasis on what you're feeding them, not just on the building itself. It's nice when, you know, restaurants eventually go from a hole in the wall to a nice restaurant, but sadly, in many cases, the quality goes down as the beauty of the building increases and people often say, I wish it was still a hole in the wall. The food tasted a lot better back then. We don't like local churches that do that either. They finally build a big building. It's a beautiful building. They have every kind of, you know, facility that you need in there. And yet the quality of the word has gone down. Keep the quality of the word number one. And this is what happens whenever they come to take away the word of God and take away the local churches, arrest the pastors. You are a preacher yourself. You are called into the ministry. You can spread the word of God and good Lord, open up your house. And even though you may call it the hole in the wall church, bring in everybody and say, we're going to study the word of God together. And someone who has a call on their life and can open the word of God begins to disciple other people. The great commission was given to everybody, not just, just to pastors and to local churches. The main call to win souls is given to every individual believer, taking the gospel to all the nations of the world. And honestly, to be truthful with you, today is one of the best times ever in all history to win souls. Why this close to the tribulation? It's every nation is facing these things. The shortages and the high cost of fuel and food and the, the costs keep going up and the the amount of care from government, even about people, is going down and down. Promises made, but hardly any promises kept. They're telling you things just to have you hang on, but they're shooting for one major goal, an international government system, an international monetary system, an international religion for the world, and an international leader. And to be honest with you, here's what the tribulation is going to be. In those last days, the seven years of tribulation on this earth, the two major evil countries in the world will be Russia and China. And again, it, the word of God tells us that also Persia will be working with them. That's Iran, Iraq, and those nations like that. And we're seeing it rise up today. The main nation that's nations that are going to look good will be the EU. And we've saw that and we've seen that during the war that's been going on between Russia and the Ukraine. We've seen that because what's the one that's risen up to help them? That's the EU nations. So as we look to those EU nations and understand that, then we can understand also 
that the world sees them as the peacekeepers. And then the leader of the peacekeepers will be known as the man of peace. And for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, he's going to be seen as a man of peace, one that ends wars, brings great peace to the world around. And yet he's not. And halfway through the tribulation, the Bible tells us he's going to reveal himself. He'll take that mask off and we're going to find out underneath he's really antichrist. And he's the one who's portraying himself as good, but really he is the captain of evil, empowered by Satan, demonic forces in his rulership in this earth. So we again have it there. And we're seeing all this come to pass. But if you read about it in the book of Revelation, it's also told in Isaiah, Jeremiah, other of the major prophets of the Old Testament about Jesus Christ is going to come back at the end of that for the, for the final time. He's been here once and, and walked on this earth for 33 years. He's coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years to begin with. And after that for eternity, and that will be Jesus Christ himself. So any leader the world throws up there, even though they may seem powerful, even though they may seem to have military might, they cannot come against the Lord Jesus Christ. I, one of the most beautiful verses found in Revelation 19 is how Jesus is going to destroy all the armies of the world. He's going to open up his mouth and out will come a sharp two-edged sword. That two-edged sword is the word of God. We're told that in Ephesians 6, that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. When Jesus Christ speaks and the word of God comes out of his mouth, all the leaders of this world that have been standing on the side of Satan will be will be uh, killed and destroyed. The uh, the militaries in the streets will be destroyed. Antichrist will be destroyed and removed off this earth. Satan will be removed off the earth. Demons will be removed off the earth. And it's all going to happen because of one individual, Jesus Christ, which tells me Jesus Christ is stronger than all the world's nations put together, all the world's armies put together. This is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Your main responsibility to government is not to first of all vote, although that's very important, or help or support candidates. Please do that. But the point of it is your main responsibility is to pray for local and national leaders for two things. Number one, to be saved, and number two, come to the full knowledge of the truth. This means to become disciples. So what God wants us to do is to continue to witness to others, study God's word, speak it, pray for revival in the land and for government leaders. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and then I'll heal their land. Revival does not come because we change government. Revival comes because we change our hearts toward God as believers. When we repent, when we come to a point where we realize we have not been standing up for God, we have not been acting like the light of the world, we have not been acting like the salt of the earth. When we come back and begin to act like Christians, things begin to change. So again, that's brought up there in those verses of scripture that I've been talking about what Jesus is going to do when he comes back. But in the meantime, if you want to see revival, it's going to happen greatly during the tribulation. The tribulation will be one of the greatest times of evangelism and revival that the world has ever seen. Many millions will be swept into the kingdom of God because during that time, people will be saved and they're going to come to the full knowledge of the truth. This is what we are to be praying for our leaders for even right now. We are to be praying for our leaders, number one, that they'll be saved, and number two, come to the full knowledge of the truth. Don't let your first prayers be to vote them out. 
And don't let your prayers be for them to die. No, your first prayer should be for those that are in office to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth, which is the two things that, again, is the Great Commission. Number one, the message of salvation. He that believes will be saved. But number two, discipleship. And that's what we're asking for, for the leaders of our nation to be saved and become disciples of the Lord and following the truth of the word of God. And that's what God is asking us to pray for. So don't quit praying for the leaders of your nation. Pray for them uplift them in faith, uplift them with the word of God, uplift them knowing and asking God to send messengers their way. What's one of the things we can do? Jesus told us to pray for laborers to go into the harvest. And we need to pray for more laborers. We need to do the laboring around where we are. But for those that are in Washington, others pray that people will pop out of the woodwork, that people as the as these ones are going to their offices that day, those that are liberal, those that are unsaved, don't know the word of God, that people literally pop out of the woodwork and begin to witness them, that wherever they turn, and there'll be people witnessing to them for them to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So what are we to do? Continue to witness to others, study the word of God, and pray for those leaders of our country to be saved. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.